Welcome to the Freddie Mac Single Family Home Starts Here podcast. Your connection to all the latest industry trends, insights, and points of view on the mortgage market from Freddie Mac leaders and other industry experts. We're coming at you live from the MBA Annual 19 Conference, where you can catch exclusive episodes throughout the event. Welcome to this edition of the Freddie Mac Single Family Home Starts Here podcast. This is Liz McGavra with Freddie Mac, and I am here live at MBA Annual with Dan Fitchler, the AVP of Housing Finance Policy at MBA, and Tim Kitt, our Senior Vice President of Pricing and Execution at Freddie Mac Single Family Portfolio Management. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. We have a really exciting topic on the docket today. We're going to talk about LIBOR. So let's see how fun we can make this conversation. <laughs> the work on the transition away from LIBOR is well underway at the moment. Can you, can you both talk about the urgency of this transition, even if LIBOR doesn't go away until the end of 2021? So the, the urgency is twofold. So I think we're calling this discussion ready, set, sofer. Um, I think the way that I've talked about it in the past is it really is like a race. Um, ready, set, sofer kind of does, does set the tone correctly. Um, it's not a sprint because we have some time to get this done. Um, but it's a fact that the LIBOR, as we know it, will likely cease to exist after 2021. Um, I just heard a, a quote uh, from the head of the New York Fed who said, you know, there used to be two things that were guaranteed in life, death and taxes. Now there are three, death, taxes, and the discontinuation of LIBOR. <laughs> so wow. we are, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty powerful. So we're under, we're under a, a pretty short time frame given what has to be done in this industry and the systems build and the education and the contracts that have to be, that have to be created between now and when LIBOR could cease to exist. So we need to get moving now and we, are, we have been moving it's you know it's it's past time to get moving so that we're ready to go for when this event happens yeah i mean completely agree tim I, the time to start this was yesterday um and i think the the key point here and you already alluded to it listing out some of the things that need to happen you know switching from LIBOR to any other uh, index or benchmark, it's not a switch that can be flipped in the financial industry, right? There's lots of work that needs to be done, coordinated work across various types of companies, across regulators, across jurisdictions, different countries. So the enormity of the work that needs to happen does really emphasize you know, just how much, uh, just how important it is that we begin immediately. And we, we've been on a we've been on a process, as Dan's talked about. I mean, the um, probably don't have time to get into it in too much detail, but the the ARC, the Alternative Reference Rate Committee, um, which it was created in 2014 um, to really try to explore and find a, a replacement reference rate for LIBOR, has been working on this, I guess, now for five years, and it's been underway. And the ARC um, has selected. The, the reference rate of SOFR to replace LIBOR, selected that in 2017, has been marching down the path with various different subcommittees and really in a very planful way to get this thing moving. Um, Liz, are we going to have time to, to talk about some of that as we go forward we in this? We can talk about whatever you want, Tim. <laughs> so actually, that's a good segue into my next question. So so you mentioned the ARC, which is a lot of acronyms here. So you mentioned the ARC, which is the Alternative Reference Rate Committee. And we've been talking about SOFR, which is the Secured Overnight Finance Rate, which is going to be replacing LIBOR. So why has ARC recommended SOFR as that replacement? Yeah, I mean, the, the first thing to, to understand about LIBOR and why you know, LIBOR is likely to be discontinued is that the 
underlying financial market that forms the basis of LIBOR has really seen a significant, significant decline in volume in recent years. So, you know, what LIBOR really is fundamentally based off of is the interbank lending market, the market by which banks lend to other banks. Now, well, for a whole variety of reasons, that market, that type of lending really isn't occurring with at, at the scale that we had seen in the past. And so what does that mean practically? It means that, well, the information that's being produced that ultimately feeds into producing LIBOR, as we've always known it, um, we just don't have those hard, observable transactions in the market upon which to base LIBOR. And so what you end up with is a situation in which a number of uh, global banks that produce this data, they're forced to use things like expert judgment. What would be happening in this market if it were of the size and scale and scope that we once knew it to be? So that's probably the first important point to know is that the lack of observable transactions in the market underlying LIBOR is probably the main reason why we expect it to be discontinued. To Dan's point, there are $200 trillion of financial exposure to LIBOR. Most of that's in derivatives. A little over a trillion is in in mortgage product, um, including all jumbo and not just conforming product. That's that's underpinned by about half a billion dollars of daily trading in LIBOR. If you think of that leverage, it's it's way over levered. Um, So there there needs to be a replacement index that is based upon real market transactions, SOFR, um, the secured overnight financing rate. We'll just call it SOFR from now on because otherwise it takes too much time to say. Um, <laughs> and we want to leave time for other things exactly, to talk about. <laughs> the secured overnight financing rate. It's about a trillion dollars of daily volume that underpins basically borrowing, cash borrowing overnight based upon treasuries in the repo market. And that's what, that's what SOFR is based upon. So it is based and the foundation is a very, very liquid market with a tremendous amount of underlying transactions to support it. So what steps is the financial industry taking to prepare the market for adopting SOFR? Sure. So there's a lot of work being done already. Tim already alluded to some of it. Um, Really, what you need to see is the development of what was effectively a new index uh, that was created through this ARC process that Tim noted before into something that actually does have a deep market behind it. And so that daily volume of trading is a, a big first step. There's a lot of work being done to develop those derivatives markets uh, that are based off of SOFR even further. Um, probably, you know, of most importance to folks who are going to be listening to this podcast is what is being done in the uh, mortgage market to facilitate the transition from LIBOR to SOFR. And really the challenges here stem from the fact that there are some important structural differences between LIBOR and SOFR. You know, one of the, when we talked about why SOFR was chosen as a preferred replacement, it wasn't because it measures the same thing as LIBOR or because it behaves in the same way as LIBOR. So really the work that's being done today, I would say, you know, at its core, it's, it's how you transition from a market where adjustable rate mortgage products are largely based off of a term index uh, rather than an overnight index, a term index that has a component of it that's based on bank credit risk or bank funding costs to a very different type of index, which is an overnight index. So that creates some challenges in terms of mismatches of maturities, um, but also one that's you know closer to what we think of as a risk-free rate. And so how do you develop new products that reflect those changes in a way that makes sense for all the actors in the mortgage ecosystem. Yeah. 
Yeah, and to some th other thoughts, just to, to build upon Dan's discussion. So there have been roughly $300 billion of market debt transactions done in SOFR. About $240 billion of that has been done by the GSEs broadly. Most of that has been with the federal home loan banks, but then followed by Freddie and Fannie. So they're market-based debt transactions that are based upon SOFR, really that help show the market that, hey, you can, you can issue debt based upon SOFR. That's one, in a broader space. Two, we, market participants, the GSEs, Freddie, Fannie, have been working with the ARC that created Consumer Products Working Group subcommittees, four of which product, uh, contracts and fallback language, consumer groups, and the ones that's focused on consumers are one that's focused on really non-mortgage product, and have, have had a couple steps which I think are critical to the development of and the use of, of SOFR for mortgage product, but even maybe broadly for other product as well. In July, the ARC released uh, a consultation that the GSEs in, endorsed, which shows how overnight SOFR can be used for, a re for replacement mortgage arm products. Freddie Mac endorsed these products, uh, Fannie Mae did as well, and we are starting to create and build those products and, st and working with our customers and our vendors and the industry to, to frankly understand what they are and be prepared to, to adopt such products. That's one. Two, a focus on fallback language and contracts. So again, with the ARC, so you know, the ARC um, has, has really helped move this, this process forward. Um, the ARC is, is in the final stages of releasing uh, what's called trigger and fallback language. So for, you know, we're all creating LIBOR arms today. I have a LIBOR arm. You know, I'm, I, I have one in it, and there are, I think, 40% of the LIBOR arm mortgages today are going to mature after 2021. So they will be out, many of those, and that's with prepayments factored in with the forecast. So many, many, many of, of these arms will be outstanding after 2021. So the ones we're doing now, it's very important to build new contract language, which tells borrowers, hey, you know, this LIBOR index could and will likely cease to exist. Here are some more prescriptive steps that will be taken to, for, the, for, the, for the contract to say, okay, you can't use LIBOR anymore per this contract. That's called a trigger. And two, the fallback language, which means, and if that trigger occurs, what do you then go to to replace LIBOR? So that's been kind of the next stage of, of this process. Um, and the ARC will release those recommendations very shortly. And then three, the next place to spend time, which is maybe the toughest, is to, to try to, is to work with the ARC, and the ARC is focused on this, on, hey, what do you do with all these outstanding LIBOR contracts? It's one thing to develop new products which are based upon a new index. It's harder to take an existing contract and say, how do you, what do you use for the trigger and then the fallback with the, the new index, which will be SOFR-based, and any adjustment that has to happen to that new index to make it a comparable index to LIBOR. Yeah. No, and that's, a, that's I think, the burning question in the industry right now, and the burning question about LIBOR. <laughs> is, um, it's all about LIBOR. Right, yes, right. it is. It's all about LIBOR. So what, what are some of the changes that the housing market can expect around these ARM products? Right. I think everyone really just wants to know that. So do we have any insights into that? Oh, sure. I'll take a stab to start out. Um, so I think the... The changes that the industry should should um, expect are, one, a set of new products that Freddie Mac and I hear Fannie Mae, the, the GSEs will be will be will be coming out with, um, and there's a lot that will stay the same and some that will change, um, and we we will be putting out more detailed information you know through our guide and guide bulletins processes as we as we evolve in, in this 
process, but it basically, the ARM products work well today, um, which changing is the index, but consumers, investors understand existing hybrid ARMs. So the decision was we don't want to recreate the wheel. We want to make these products work um, using overnight SOFR um, for a product which has historically been based upon kind of a, a forward term rate um, for the index. So you should expect something similar to what we have today with 315171, 10-1 mortgages, but some, some things will change. And that what the ARC con consultation proposes, and you can, you can pull that up on the ARC website, is basically a change to, to a couple things. A change to the reset period, because what the product is going to use is, a, it's called an in-advance rate, which you're using an overnight rate that has been set looking back either 30 or 90 days um, for a forward-looking ARM product. Current ARMs are based upon, a, a one-year LIBOR ARM is based upon a one-year term structure. Investors take more basis risk with that. So the group decided after debating that it made more sense to have a six-month reset for the new ARM product versus a one-year reset. It, it still ba it balances well the need for good pricing um, and the additional risk investors are taking with consumer protections with still having a six-month period of, of term reset as opposed to anything shorter. The other thing that the industry you know, should, should expect is for the Fed, the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, to publish this average of overnight SOFR. Um, the expectation is in 2020 they will be publishing this, maybe even in the first half, which the industry could look to and start to build, pro build their processes and systems to, to start to reference this index for, for the new product. So that, I think that's, for the new product, those are some of the things that the industry should, should expect in the near future. And then more work, I would say more to come. Um, we're not ready really to address the, the legacy uh, conversion, the legacy transition yet, but that's where a lot of the, the current thinking and focus is on the arc. Yeah, that's right. And the only thing I would add, and this goes back to something you mentioned earlier, Tim, is you know, in, the, in these new products, we should also expect to see much improved contractual language. You know, what, as you alluded to, one of the problems in many mortgage contracts, mortgage notes going back oh, in recent years, is they didn't properly envision a post-LIBOR world. We weren't creative enough to, to, to think that LIBOR might not be around. And so it would be really silly for us to make a similar mistake with SOFA, right? There's, there's no indication that SOFA's going anywhere or that anything's happening to the treasury repo market. But let's take the lessons learned and apply that to have improved language moving forward. So what you can expect to see in those new products is also contractual language that provides much clearer guidance, much to the recommendations of the ARC that Tim was mentioning, that really talks about in a world where the index is not available, very clear set of guidelines as to when you should make a switch to a new index, who makes that decision, what the trigger event that allows that to happen is. And that really gets us, we hope, away from some of the... Um, potential problems with legacy loans, legacy assets that we're about to address as part of this transition process over the next couple of years. Great. Thanks, guys. Any parting thoughts about LIBOR that we could leave our captive audience with? Yeah, I just I think I just want to reinforce that we, we are under a, a timed race. Uh, ready, set, SOFR is appropriate, although we're, we're well past the ready, set stage. And I think we are, we're moving to SOFR. I think... Uh, so far, so good 
is is a way we can think about how like we are that. so far. That is a very um, funny. That would be a good like bumper sticker. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Bumper sticker. Yeah, there we go. Liz, are you thinking? I'm thinking. Um, I'm a marketing girl. It so wasn't, yes, I'm thinking. It wasn't selected in our contest for how we should what we should call this product. I'm a little I'm still a little upset about that, but maybe it can be like a little subtitle race. That's right. That's right. Um, but here we go. We're we're moving, we're racing. We are I, I can I can promise you that, that Freddie Mac is working hard on on the development of new product, and as soon as, as soon as possible, we will be providing more detail to the market, to our customers, uh, to our seller servicers, to the industry, to our vendors, so that everyone, because everyone has to work together here to start to, to prepare for this transition for new product. A systems build can take 12 to 18 months, so it, you know, the time to be working on this is now, and at the same time, we are working diligently with the ARC on I'm trying to help with the next step of what happens with the legacy loans and what do they transition to. Yeah, but the reality of all the work that needs to happen, you know, for any market participant that has any sort of exposure to LIBOR, it really does underscore the fact that, you know, there's this misconception out there, and I hear it all the time, which is, you know, until we really know what the future state is exactly going to look like, how can we possibly begin to prepare and, and take steps now? What should we be doing? Well, there's actually a lot that folks can be doing, even just, you know, at the most basic level, if you're a, a market participant, understanding what your LIBOR exposures are, understanding all the parts of your business that it may touch. It's, it's not always the most obvious or apparent things. It's not just new production or legacy assets. It's your, your hedging, your secondary market activities. You know, you could go on and on. And so understanding, first and foremost, what those system changes are going to be, even if you don't know what the end product is, is a really critical step that folks do need to be taking today um, because, you know, we only have two years till the end of 2021. And if folks are waiting much longer to, they have full clarity about the end state, they're not going to leave themselves the time for those systems builds and those changes that you were just describing, Tim. Absolutely. So, Tim, I know you and your team are doing a lot of work on this right now. So we are looking forward to updates. And I think, um, you know, we can let our listeners know that this will be an ongoing topic on our Home Starts Here podcast. So make sure you subscribe to get all the latest updates on LIBOR. Um, and thank you, gentlemen, for being here with me today. Thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you, Liz. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the special edition of the Freddie Mac Single Family Home Starts Here podcast, live from the MBA Annual 19 Conference. After the conference, stay tuned and subscribe to catch additional interviews with key industry leaders and experts. Home Starts Here is available wherever you listen to your podcasts.